My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews mean the world to us. If you would do that and in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Said My name is Elijah Bowie, and I spend a lot of my time helping business owners and entrepreneurs sell their programs, products, and services. Um, as a matter of fact, we do that in a really cool way where you're able to sell six figures of it in a day and take the rest of the month off. So that's a little bit about me. Um, and that's a really cool thing that we get to help people do. However, um, one of the things that I come across a lot of times when we're either working with people or just a common question I get with people, and it's kind of what I want to talk about today, is how do I charge what I'm worth? How do I charge what I'm worth? And so I'd love today because I've got all these amazing thought leaders on this platform with me um, to kind of have a round table open discussion um, today um, on, you know, how, how do we figure out, you know, what we're, what we're worth and how do we charge that um, for our segment today? So um, that is what we're going to be talking about today. And um, I'd love to know right off the back to get some different perspectives. I'll give mine last, but I'd love to know from three of our 
uh, thought leaders who are up here right now. Um, guys, how do you personally decide what to charge your clients? I'd love to know if you have a formula for that. Is it is it are you more of an intuitive, just like feeling type thing, or do you have an actual process you go through? Um, and so, if you want to go first, go ahead and flash your mic. I got I know I know how I do it, but I want to hear from some of our thought leaders. So um, let's go ahead and have. I see. Oh, I need to refresh. Here we go. Um, who up here wants to share how you guys come up with your prices so that the people in our audience? Go ahead, Sarah. Hey, Elijah. I'm so excited for your segment today. So I would say that it evolved over time. Um, when I first started my um, firm, I honestly really didn't know. So I did um, a combination of two things. One was reaching out to colleagues in the space and trying to be really mindful about not just reaching out to peers, but also to people who were where I wanted to be. People kind of like at all different levels to see what they were charging because unsurprisingly, I found what research backs up. I found that women usually charge less. Um, I found that people in certain age groups usually charge less. So like when I was saying, well, what do you charge? Um, you know, just to kind of get the lay of the land of what people in similar spaces did. Um, I would also go that route of asking clients what their budget was. Um, and then over time, I kind of got a feel for, so that's how I, that's where I started was like data gathering and then being like, okay, sure. These are my prices. Um, and then over time, I really got a clearer sense of what kind of client I wanted to work with. Um, what most often their budget was and also what made me feel valued for the work that I was doing. And so one really interesting kind of anecdote I'll share before I pass the mic back is that I remember a friend of mine who I reached out to literally right before I started my firm gave me her hourly rate. And, um, a couple years later, I reached back out to her. I was discussing something. And by that time, my rates were so much higher than that point because of the work that I'd done, the confidence that I gained, the clients that I'd had. And she was still charging the exact same hourly rate, even though she had years more experience than I did. And she was the one who gave me that. She hadn't raised her prices in years. She just stayed at that flat hourly rate. And I changed my pricing structure completely. Um, so I'm really excited for this conversation today because I know there are people out there who need it. I'm done speaking. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I thought it was a great topic of conversation as well on this, how to charge what you're worth, because I think everyone wants to charge their worth. Right? There's a lot of conversation about that. Um, but I don't think that a lot of times when that conversation is had that we really get into um, two, two main things. One, we don't get into how do you actually do that? Right? Is there a formula? Is there a way to it? Um, and I think that a lot of times we do not share how that may have changed or evolved for us over time. And so um, I'm glad that you highlighted, Sarah, uh, that it did change over time. Um, if you guys want to, if, if anyone else on stage wants to share next, um, be, uh, be prepared to flash your mic and, uh, and I'll call I'm, on you. I'm happy to. Hey, Elijah. Yes, Hello, there you go. How are you? I'm still Lisa with a T. Um, I'm driving. Is it too loud for you? No, ma'am. It is perfect. Okay. Go right ahead. Excellent. I love what Sarah said is that it's an evolution. And I think that when you get to that sweet spot, you have to trust yourself and just stay there because what you don't want your, your pricing to do is continue to fluctuate over time. Once you have it, you need to stick with it. And sometimes you get into your head about, am I worth charging this much? I only just started my business. And I think some of the things that we have to remember is the mindset that we talk about here, which is that you've likely been doing that work for years and years and years and bring experience. You likely have certifications in some of what you're doing. So I think part of it is a mindset to know that you're absolutely worth it. I remember Kevin Dubrowski, um, I believe that's his last name, came on and talked about upping your prices in this moment, 73% point blank period up at 73% and start from there. And I think the mentality around that, and I, I know you're going to share the how today, but I think the mentality around that is to know that the value that you are giving, the value that you are giving is really in the transformation that you're making in people's lives. So it takes you away from this notion of hourly rates, right? You don't need hourly rates in your mind because oftentimes we say, okay, it's going to take us this this amount of time to do this workshop, 
But then what do you forget about the prep work? You forget about the time when you're laying in a bed and you're thinking about it. You forget about the materials. And so that takes you on this, this weird ride of pricing. So I love what Sarah also said about, you know, comparison, absolutely taking a look at what can your industry bear, but also what is the transformation that you're making in someone's life and how long are they going to be leveraging the tools and the, and the skill sets that you're teaching them on an ongoing basis and knowing too what it is you're doing, who it is that you are working with and then staying right there at that pricing. I also remember being inside of a room one time, I was in John Asaraf's room and um, it, he asked the question and it, and it was something along the lines of, do you have a millionaire mindset? And I remember answering the question, feeling really good about it actually. And I, I asked the question at the end, well, do you think that's a millionaire mindset? And he was like, nope, <laughs> nope, not at all. And in that moment, he gave me some coaching, but really what stuck with me is what Alvin Hope said to me right after. And he's sometimes inside of this room and he said to me, Lolita, the level of confidence that you had, not only when John said that, but the way that you came back and you said, hey, okay, I get the answer, but this is why I'm here. Teach me what it is that I need to know. And he talked about the willingness and the confidence. And he talked about that they're being more confident than some of the folks that are paying six figures for their coach. And I think in those moments, we need that there to remind us that what we are doing, what we are saying, what we are gifting is nothing short of transformation that is changing people's lives. And when you remember your why, you remember that you are worth charging exactly what you are. And it's clarity plus confidence equals the commitment of how you show up and stay shown up. This is Lolita with a T. I hope that helps somebody today. Oh my goodness, I can't imagine how it couldn't have. Um, that was an amazing share. Um, two things that stuck out to me specifically that I thought was interesting and I wanted to make sure that people caught it is, um, especially as business owners or entrepreneurs, most business owners or entrepreneurs at some point before they became a business owner or an entrepreneur, they had a, they had a job, right? They were working for someone else and they got paid. And a lot of that is determined when you're getting paid by someone else is even if you have a salary, um, it's usually determined by how many hours you're going to be putting in. And, and you mentioned that, you know, hey, you don't have to have that mindset. Um, and I like that you said mindset because it doesn't mean that that you don't necessarily bill hourly, right? There, you People may decide to do that or have, um, you know, a service where they do that. But it's the mindset that I'm not I'm not creating the prices based upon um, this hourly work that I would you know, or effort or energy that I'd be the putting tasks. in at this moment. Yeah, yeah exactly. Tasks. Right. That is such a powerful one. And the second thing is um, that I love that you mentioned too, that I don't think many people consider at all, um, even if they've been around for a long time, is how long is what I'm sharing with them or the transformation, how long is it going to be leveraged or experienced? I love that. Um, taking that into um, consideration, I think it's so powerful um, when it comes to, hey, coming up with, you know, what we're going, what, I, what I'm going to charge someone. So I love those insights. Um, I want to get one more before um, I share mine. Is there anyone else who wants to share um, how they come up with pricings on the stage? You want to flash your mic? I know we've got some amazing thought leaders on here um, who are always busy doing other things. Okay, cool. So if you do, just flash your mic and, and I'll come back to you. Um, I, one of the things that I think that is important and I would recommend that everyone consider when it comes to this conversation of charging what you're worth is I know it's definitely an evolution process. Um, but for me, and I want to speak to the people who may not be, who may just be starting out or you may have been doing this for a while, kind of like Sarah's friend, but you just don't have the confidence to, you know, to maybe increase your prices, right? You've been, which by the way, basic business acumen, if you will, tells you that every year, everyone under the sound of my voice, every year you should raise your prices. That's at a bare minimum. And that should just at a bare minimum adjust for inflation, right? Um, so you should always, every year business should be increasing their rates and prices and service at least to combat inflation. Um, but I want to speak to the people who may not have confidence in it because, um, you know, maybe you haven't been doing this long. Maybe you're just taking that giant step and you, 
Um, you feel like it's something you're supposed to do, but you don't have all of that experience yet. That was me. Um, I started my, my journey as an entrepreneur at 16 years old um, and was working for really large companies um, as an entrepreneur. And, um, you know, you don't have the confidence of because because I didn't have the experience that, hey, I've done this many times before. And so I know I should charge this. But one of the things that really helped me was during the sales conversation that's taking place with whoever you're trying to serve is I would I got really comfortable in what I would charge. And, the, and to be honest, there wasn't a set price. My price would vary depending upon what I felt the the, the client um, valued the service at based upon the questions I asked them. So you say, Elijah, well, what does that look like? Well, there's these com there's these questions that you can ask during a sales process that I call confidence questions, and basically it's the theory that the answer that they give me to this question is going to give me confidence in a couple things. It's going to give me confidence that hey, they really need my help. It's going to give me confidence that um, I have a better plan than they do, um, and it's going to give me the confidence that that it that when we implement this, it's going to um, bring a quantifiable result for them that is going to make them really happy. And I liked asking those questions because every time I would go into a sales call, if there was any nervousness or anything, by the end of it, by asking those questions. I would feel really confident that, oh, this is a no-brainer for them, and it really helped the client to see. So, for example, one of those questions could look um, like me saying, you know, hey, so uh, let's say they're, they're having an issue um, with lead generation for issue, for, for instance. Or let's go a little more specific. Let's say they're having an issue getting people to – they're generating leads, but they're having an issue with these people showing up to their sales calls. Well, that's a big problem. And so – uh, a confidence question would be me asking, okay, cool. So I'm, I'm starting to get a picture here. Um, how many, how many people on average are not showing up for their sales for their consultations that you guys are booking in for, and then I would ask, I would, I always ask it broad like that. Then I take it specific. Like for instance, Mr. Prospect or Mrs. Prospect, how many people last month booked consultations with you, but didn't show up? And there'd be a quantifiable number. Maybe they say, um, you know, hey, it was 10. We'll just keep it round numbers for our example. And I'd say, oh, my goodness. And um, just out of curiosity, how much is, is a sale worth to you on average? And let's just say it's $1,000. Um, well, right there, I'd say, okay, so $1,000 per head, that's 10. So, wow, you missed out on $10,000 in business, not because the people weren't interested, simply because they didn't show up. Is that correct? And they'd say yes. So that's like a confidence question there. And the reason that's really important is because not only does it help them start to, to quantify what it's actually costing them, which surprisingly enough, a lot of times prospects overlook, um, but it allowed me to know that, hey, man, if this one, me fixing this one thing is going to bring $10,000, and this is not made up revenue. We know for sure based on their own numbers and experience, this fixing this for them is going to put $10,000 more in their pocket. And they're going to be able to take this, like what we just saying, and they can use it every single month. Hmm. I should feel pretty comfortable with maybe asking exactly $10,000, and I can have confidence in that. And so that's an example of what one of those confidence questions are. Um, and that's something that everyone, especially if you're a beginner, um, can, can use and deploy to help rebuild your confidence during the actual uh, the actual conversation that you're going through with your prospect, and so I wanted to share that technique. Um, but I want to pause before we um, and and ask a second question to the panel. Um, and you know there is a lot of this, and I just thought of this. There's a lot of a uh, topic, a lot of conversation around this topic, how to charge what you're worth. And that's an interesting phrasing, charging what you're worth. And I'd love to know um, from everybody. And so I want to do. I want to ask the speakers first, and then I will actually poll everyone else listening. Um, but I want to ask my speaker friends up here with me. Do you guys actually believe that you currently get paid what you're worth? I'd love to hear some. I'm sure we're 
there's uh, some great differing opinions here. So if you want to flash your mic, do you actually – obviously, we're all in business. You're getting paid. Do you actually believe that you're currently getting paid what you're worth? I see Dr. Sean Shapiro. Go ahead. Hey, Elijah. Nice to uh, meet you. Um, I don't think I get paid what I wor I'm worth, but I also know that there are contracts in place that I am responsible for upholding with insurance companies and things like that. And I know that I, pro I, I know that I provide more value, but I also find solace in the fact that neither did Michael Jordan, neither did LeBron James. None people really got paid what they were worth. They got paid what the market would pay. So I don't know if that's the right answer or not, but I'm happy to answer it that way. Man, that's such a powerful answer. I love that. I think I saw Justin and then Sarah. Elijah, powerful question. I think my first response is not to answer, right? Because I, I don't want to be that guy that says, well, I think I'm worth this or I think I'm worth that. But my answer to you is no, but yes. So no in the short term, right? Because I think for the value that we are really trying to provide people, it's going to return them 100x what they're paying me. But yes, in the long run, because I think, you know, being willing to make it affordable or accessible enough for people to build that relationship in the long run, the lifetime wealth that I'm going to have with that relationship is going to be well, well worth it. So try and give up that short money a little bit to get that long-term relationship. Man, another powerful answer. Um, this was, must've been a good question. Sarah, go ahead. Yes, sir. So I actually want to comment on something um, Dr. Sean said, because as Justin said, I'm too smart to answer that question directly. Um, but what I will say that what Dr. Sean said was really interesting to me when he mentioned, you know, um, Michael Jordan and some other um, NBA basketball players. I have a really good friend who was in the NBA um, for 11 years, but he um, was not the most famous NBA player on the team. And, you know, one of the things that he worked on later as part of the NBA Players Association was on contracts and he was saying he'd always say i he played um on the lakers at the same time as kobe bryant he would say i know kobe bryant was better than me but was he 11 million dollars a year better than me you know what i mean like so i think that that's just what dr sean said that made me think of that is you know even that you know how we conceptualize that they're literally both on the same team but one's kobe bryant you know what i mean so i just wanted to throw that grenade in the discussion Man, yeah, you guys brought up some some really interesting things here. So I'll give you guys my answer. And I I believe this is true for everyone speaking. I think the answer is no. Um, I will be that guy that says, no, I don't get paid nearly. Hey, pay, listen to me, y'all. I do not get paid nearly <laughs> as much as I should. But I charge a lot, right? We've, we've got uh, a program that's $145,000. And it ain't even close to that. Every single person who pays me that for that specific program gets the larger end of the stick every single time, right? And, and so it brings up this interesting point that I think all three of them, uh, Dr. Sean and Justin and Sarah, touched on. Um, and Justin really hit it on the head of, of – he said, well, you know, but um, in the short term, I'm giving up. But in the long term, no. And this is why I asked this question because I want the audience to think about this. The, there is no right or wrong answer. My favorite thing about entrepreneurship is you get to make the rules, but you have to take in consideration what you actually want in your business. What is your business model? What is your business goal? What is you guys' mission? And are you, are you trying to be in a space where you say, hey, I really want a model where I want to go really intimate and deep with a very small segment of the market? And I want to impact them, and I'm going to charge a really large premium for that. And I know that my really large premium is going to make it inaccessible to most of the market, but that's okay because that aligns with my goals. Or is your and, – and the reason I'm telling you guys this is because I think it's easy for other entrepreneurs, especially on this app, this amazing app in Clubhouse, for us to give this advice and say, hey, you need to charge more. You need to lower your prices. You need to raise more. You need to do this. And I want to caution everyone to take that, those, those things with a grain of salt because in reality, if I do not know what your business – like what your purpose, what your end goal is, what type of company and impact you're trying to have on the world, I can't say that for sure, right? Um, and so that's a, it's, it's a very specific thing, and so you have to take into consideration as well 
what you're offering is where the market's readiness and awareness is for it. And I think that's what uh, one of the things Justin was touching on as well is, you know, hey, because we want to impact a certain portion of the market and things like that, and the market is only willing to pay this certain premium. And, and, and when we say when I, and when I say pay, I want you guys to translate that as they only see this much value because that's that's what sales comes down to. We pay for the value that we believe we will receive. Um, they only see this much value in this program, product or service. And because I want to hit a large part of them, you know, I'm I even though I see there's even more value, uh, maybe like he mentioned, maybe even 100 times more. Um, I'm going to meet them where they're at so we can impact them and let that grow over time. And so uh, I, I, I wanted to, to bring that to people because I think it's really important for you to consider because I am. I'm going to give you guys some strategies here um, on how you can charge more if that's what you want. But I wanted you guys to be able to take that with a grain of salt and preface it with that, that question of um, that. First of all, I don't believe that any of us actually get paid what we're truly worth, um, but – you're always trying to find that balance in your business. I saw someone unmute. Was there someone else that wanted to add something to that? Oh, this is Lolita. I was clapping, so it was probably just loud because I'm driving. But what I will say is I couldn't get to the phone. But yes, I totally agree with you. And I'll answer that question. Absolutely not. I don't know how to say no in multiple languages because I think the no is universal. But what I will say is that I don't think I know for me for sure. I know that I don't get paid a fraction of what it is that I do for transformation purposes for people that leverage the strategies and the skill sets that I provide. And I think honestly, that's for everyone. But I love that you said it's what the market can bear, because there's going to be people that want your services that can't afford it. And you've got to know that that's okay. So for me, I have a value ladder. And so there's something that's for everybody, but everybody doesn't have that approach. And that's okay, too. There's somebody for everybody. And I love that. I think it was you who mentioned just awareness. And I say just, but I don't want to minimize that because getting in front of your target client is not always the easiest thing to do, but it's driving the clarity to know who is it that you're serving and really understanding what is it that they want and need from you. And then what are they willing to pay for your services and staying there because you'll find the right ones to whom you're giving the value to. But yes, the answer is no for me as well. Um, and I think it's for a variety of reasons, some of which you mentioned today. I love it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's such a, it, it's such an interesting thing that no one usually brings that up. But yeah, I, I agree with you there. I love that. Um, okay, guys, if you're just joining us, by the way, just to reset. We're having this great conversation about how to charge what you're worth. And so I kind of opened up this segment, um, knowing I had some time, um, because we had an hour together, actually having this conversation around, like, hey, how do you actually personally decide what you charge? the market um, and then to have this question around like do we actually even even with this hey I'm gonna charge what I'm worth I'm gonna raise my prices um, you know Lolita, Lolita mentioned that someone said came in here and said hey raise them 73% which is awesome and even with that are you are you actually getting paid what you're worth um, and I, I wanted to put that there because what I don't want to happen is for you to think that, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just raising my prices, raising my prices, and 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 to miss all the considering all the considering factors that need to go into that, like we just talked about. And so we're having this conversation, but now I want to get a little technical here, if that's all right with you guys. Um, I want to share since the title of this segment is how to charge what you're worth. I want to give you some step by steps on some ways that you can actually charge more. Because one of the other things that I think happens around this conversation when you people say, hey, you need to charge more, is people literally just tell you that, right? And you know, there's, the, there's always that person, which I agree with that person, by the way, and I've been that person several times, when someone comes on and they say, hey, I, I do X, Y, and Z, and I really wanna charge more, how should I charge more? And then there's that person that always goes, you just charge more. <laughs> <laughs> which is true, right? And they're speaking to the mental aspect of it, of saying, hey, you, the mentality-wise, don't let it become a hurdle for you. Just say a bigger number. 
And that's that is uh, valuable advice. But I want to give you some ways. There's there's specific ways that you can get paid more and charge what you're worth. Even for some of us who are seasoned, who we said, hey, yeah, you know, I, I charge pretty well, and I and I understand that that's where the market's able to accept it right now. Um, but no, I don't I don't you know get paid what I'm worth. The, some of these strategies are going to be useful for you guys. So let me give you a couple um, a couple strategies and ways that um, there is to charge. First and foremost, right, there's the, hey, this is what I charge, and you pay it all up in full, and once it's paid up, you know, the product or program or service is is delivered upon, right? And that's cool, um, but it can – it when it comes to the conversation of, hey, how do I grab more of what I'm worth? you can be limited in how much you can actually grab up, right? Because you just, you put out a, a specific fee, it's there and then it's not, and they pay it and then it's over. Um, and so I want to introduce people to a concept that is not new, but most people don't think, especially in their industry, may, may be able to be added. Um, but this concept of revenue share, um, and there's all types of ways to introduce a rev share um, model to what you're asking for, uh, to whatever you're offering. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, rev share is literally, and by the way, you can do this even if you're not in a, um, a, a industry where you're solely helping people produce income. That's not the result you produce. You can still have rev share. It's just based upon, it's not technically rev share. It would be um, like key performance um, indicators that you guys set before you guys go to work, and when those are hit, you get paid more, right? Um, but there's this concept. So um, one of the wisest business people that I've ever heard speak on this planet is a man named Jay Abraham. Um, a lot of uh, uh, seasoned business people may know who he is. He's really, really smart. He's known as um, like he's known as your favorite guru's guru. Like literally. Everyone that you could imagine, the Tony Robbins, the, the guys you see on Shark Tank, like everyone, um, a lot of those big people, he's coached, right? Some of the largest industries and uh, companies, he's, he's, they've come to him to get coaching and grow their business. So he's a really smart individual. And I was listening to him one time, and someone asked him a very important question. As a matter of fact, he was on this app um, months ago. And they said, you know, hey, you had this amazing career. You've done all these things. What is one thing that you would have done differently? And I love, I loved his answer because he actually gave two things. He said, well, I'll tell you two things. And he's got this awesome voice. Uh, but he said, I'll tell you two things. And he said, first and foremost, which I loved because this is me. He said, I would have made my family a higher priority. You know, he's, he, and th this is by his own admission. He said, you know, I went through a few divorces, um, this, that, and the third. And I should have made that um, a higher priority, and I love that answer. But then he said, the second thing, you know, and I've made a whole bunch of money. He said, but the second thing that I would have done is I would have taken less money up front, i.e., he would have charged less up front and taken more of the back end my entire career. And he said, and I would have made so much more. And I thought about this dude who, as an entrepreneur or as a consultant, is literally like the Michael Jordan of consult business consulting. Like you can't really strive to want to be higher. And I thought it interesting that he said that the one thing he would have done different was to take less up front and take more of the back end. And, um, and I decided right then, I said, okay, cool. I had already – been implementing this the year before in my business, but I said, I am 100% for sure. If he said that's the number one thing, I'm doing that for sure, <laughs> right? Um, and so oh, what, what that looks like is – and you don't have to charge less up front. Maybe you charge 5000 or 10000 You know, now. You can keep that, but just tell someone, hey, I'm, you know, it's 10000 for this, and the person says, okay, let's do it. And then you would tell them, okay, cool. And so one, as we're using this, if you hit this key performance indicator, and I'm using key performance indicator because I don't want my people who think that you don't help people generate revenue, that it has to be around that. But basically, when you get this specific result, would you be willing or you know, we will 
if you want to put it that way. When you hit this specific result, um, would you be willing to pay this? And the answer is almost always yes, right? Now, uh, psychologically, the reason the answer is almost always yes to this question, by the way, is because, listen to me now, it is much easier for people to spend money in the future. It's easier for the market, people to spend future money than it is to spend present money. So when you understand that, there's all these really cool things you can do, right? You can have an offer where you say, hey, look, so um, let's say you normally charge $10,000, but you want to charge more. You can charge 100% more. Here's how. You would go and you would tell the market, hey, now this is $20,000. And you say, but here's how that works. You pay 10000 up front, which is the 10000 you're already charging, and then you say, and then when we hit this key performance indicator, you pay another $10,000. Is that fair? And ironically enough, and I've, in clients' businesses and in my own business, there's no drop-off at all in this. As a matter of fact, we've actually seen an uptick in sales in this, and we've had um, prospects and leads say, you know, one of the reasons I actually went with you is because you had skin in the game. And I knew that you wanted that other piece or portion, and so you weren't going to abandon me or do X, Y, and Z. But now you can take something that you charge $10,000 for and you make $20,000 when they hit a specific um, indicator. And it's easier for the market to do because it's future money. So that's one strategy. And I want to um, pause and uh, ask if anyone has questions, even if you're in the audience, anyone have questions, thoughts, and concerns about that? And do any of my speakers have a question or something they want to add on that? Or have you got, and do you guys utilize that in your own business? I'd love to hear, um, by the way. I think I saw, um, oh, he's gone now. I think I saw someone unmute, but he's gone now. Oh, no, Jeff. Jeff, I saw you unmute, sir. Did you have something you want to add in there? Jeff must be good. Okay, cool. He may have been jumping on stage. Um, yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir. There we go. So uh, does that also work with lower ticket? I know she went with uh, 10000 to 20000 Would that work with someone who's doing, say, a 2000 to maybe 5000 This is Pastor Jeff, and I'm done speaking for now. Yeah, absolutely. That is a fantastic question. 100% it would. Yep, 2000 5,000, you could do this with 500. Um, absolutely, you can uh, you can deploy that. And like I said, it's a really comfortable way um, for um, especially people who may not be like, oh my goodness, well, I'm just now charging 2,000, right? Or I'm just now charging 3,000 or 5,000, whatever it is. Will people pay more? It's an easy way for you to double your prices but not ask for any more upfront. So it's virtually the exact same thing you're doing. Um, and so, yes, it can work with lower 100%. And not only that, it's the thing that Jay Abraham, who is probably one of the smartest business people on this planet, said that it's the one mistake that he made, that he didn't take more of the back end, meaning he says, hey, I'm going to help you guys come and do this. When you hit this result, will you cut me in for this? Right. And so that's that's one way to do it. And so, yes, Pastor Jeff, that's an amazing question. Any other questions or comments? on that strategy. Go ahead, Lauren. Hey, Elijah. This is amazing. I love this so, so much. Thank you for being here and contributing. What if you already have existing clients and you've been working with them for a while? How does it work to approach them and go, hey, this next quarter, we have this new KPI, and if we hit it, can you pay me double? Like, how do you approach an existing client that's been working with you for a long time versus just new clients? I'm done speaking. Absolutely. That's a fantastic question. So, um, I'm assuming these people are working with you ongoing and you guys have some type of monthly retainer. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, cool. So um, usually in a monthly retainer scenario, um, most people will accept a monthly retainer option as long as they're making in return more than whatever the monthly retainer is, right? And they're just usually happy with that. And while – um, especially like I used to run an agency, while there may be goals and things set in a campaign, they are not necessarily um, specifically tying what they're paying you to that. They're just saying, hey, okay, you produced this result for me. It was It's larger than what I'm paying you, so it makes business sense to keep going. And so basically all you would do is 
Um, especially this is a great season um, just because we just entered Q4. You could say, hey, um, you know, and I, because I see you're a marketing expert and you're, you're an agency owner. So you could say, hey, um, you know, Q4, I want, we want to, you know, really obviously get together our Q4 campaigns, take advantage of the holidays. Um, and I would have you guys sit down and map out. And it's really easy with, it's actually easier to do with long-term clients. Let's say you had a client who was uh, doing a, who had a campaign last Christmas. And you just say, hey, I want to um, gear up and really go hard for this campaign, um, you know, this Q4. Um, let me ask you something. If we, and I don't know, you know, you pick the stat from the last campaign. You know, last campaign on uh, in the, over the holidays, we did this much. Hey, if we help you do this goal, would you cut us in? Would you give us a piece of it? And this is really cool to do. So let's say if you actually know the number, let's say, hey, you know, last time we did $125,000 um, in revenue off this campaign. Um, I really want to push it this time. If we do two hundred and fifty dollars um, this time around, would you cut us in? Would you give us 10 of it or 25 of it or th like whatever you want, right? Whatever your portion is, they're going to say, yeah. Right. It just because because it still makes that business sense um, is a way that you can um, kind of go back to a client because like I said you don't have to you don't have to present it to them as, hey, I'm changing my whole business model. You're already getting paid your retainer. They're happy with that. You just say, hey, um, you know, we're getting this next campaign geared. I think we can really push it. Last campaign was this. If my team really digs in deep and we beat these new numbers together with you guys, would you cut us in this? And most people are going to say, yeah. So that's how I'd approach it, Lauren. That's a fantastic question. Um, anybody else? Go ahead, uh, Lauren. Were you clapping or did you, did you want to? I was clapping. I was just saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. I'm super excited to implement it. And I'm super motivated to just go out there and be hungrier and do better. So. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Lauren, one of the things I would uh, recommend, and, and anyone that has an agency style service, that you can put this into, um, you can structure this into any new clients where if you get, especially if you work with a specific niche and you know the result or the average results you guys can produce, it may make more sense, depending on the clients you're working with, to just completely take all back in, right? But then there's that risk of, well, what if we don't hit that? Or if it's lower, we still have you know bills we have to pay. All you do in that scenario is you could say, hey, when we work with clients X, Y, and Z, you know, we we do all the heavy lifting to produce this result for them, and we get paid twenty percent of the revenue generated from our campaigns, or twenty five percent, or whatever, right? The back end. Um, and when you do your agreement, you would basically tell the the agreement would basically say, let's say your monthly retainer is ten k. Um, the agreement that you uh, actually sign with them states very clearly that each month you guys will get paid 10, 25% or 10K, whichever is higher. That way you don't lose the, the, um, the, the money you need to, to keep the lights on, to pay your people X, Y, and Z. And, you know, because at the end of the day, that's still not your business. So they may need to stop or may they, they may need to do something, but that's how you do it. But then as the, that company's growing, Right, you're growing with them. Your revenue's growing with them, and so that's a great way to do it. Great question. Love it. Thank you so much. You are very, very welcome. Um, so that's one way to do it, um, guys. Here's another one. Right. So, um, one of the things that, uh, in one of my offers, I have a a coaching program, and so this is kind of a hybrid of what we were just talking about. I have a coaching program. And there is just a set price for that coaching program. Now, one of the things that I do for people who qualify for that program is I will offer them a scholarship. Now, you know, there's a lot of things that people do um, that I, when it comes to pricing and sales, that I don't necessarily um, agree with. I think that it's kind of overplayed in the market to say, hey, it's usually this price, but if you join now, it's this price. Um, I understand where that comes from. The issue is most people are not using it correctly, and so they say, "Hey, you know, usually this program's eight thousand, but if you sign up right now, it, it'll be five thousand. 
and they're using it more as a sales pressure technique, which I don't believe in, and it's not necessarily operating in truth. Their program's really 5K. They just say it's 8K on the phone so they can drop it back down to five. So I don't like that one, but here's a more powerful one that you can use that we do, right? So we have an actual price for that program. It's a real price. You're like, you're going to pay it. But for people who qualify, I will offer them a scholarship. Well, a scholarship, I used to play college football, is very specific, meaning um, when I got the scholarship from this university I went to, there was things I was required to do. I was expected to do, right? One of those is to perform, keep a certain grade, like all these things. And when you don't hold your end of, the, of, of that agreement, your scholarship can and will go away, right? And so this is what I do in this program. There's a, there's a set price, but hey, if you uh, qualify for this scholarship, I will give you a scholarship grant of a certain amount off. But I tell my students, this when we do it very clearly. The reason I'm giving you this scholarship is not because I'm a nice guy, even though I do think I'm a nice guy. I'm doing it because you're going to be required to do something too. And if you do the thing that I'm asking you to do, which requires them to have me and my company come in and sell their offer to their audience and do a rev share with us, um, I will give them a, a significant discount up front. Why? Well, because I know the principle that it's easy to spend future money, um, and I know the result that we can produce, and so we'll get paid a lot um, up front. So for one of my students, he qualified for this, he got $30,000 in a scholarship up front. 14 days later, we're fulfilling um, on, on what, we, what we sold him, and he does $143,000. And in, in revenue there. That's pretty good, right? Um, now, he had to split some of that with me. He had to give us 50000 I, by giving him $30,000 scholarship, was able to make $50,000. So you guys can see the power of this, specifically if you know the result that you can produce for somebody. And guess what? And he wasn't mad about that at all. Because if we hadn't come in and and fulfilled for him, he would have only made $45,000, which is still a, a, a great day, but he would have basically left $100,000 on the table, and so he was happy to, to cut us in on that deal, right? Um, and so that's uh, something that you can do as well, where you have your set price, um, and people can just take that price as well, but you can offer a scholarship that's – it's not this fake scarcity um, tactic to get people to buy now. It's really tied to them doing some things, and it's attached to you getting some rev share. And so as you grow, as they grow, you grow, um, and you make more revenue. And so in that program, by doing that model, we 4x the amount of um, value we get from each customer. So basically, I was able to raise the price of that program four times without the people I'm selling to spend any more money up front which obviously is really great for my business's bottom line. So that's another example. Um, <clears throat> questions on that one? I, I, that may have been confusing to some people. Good. Everyone good on that one? Go ahead. Jeff, you yeah, Elijah, no, that, that's, that's ingenious. I do something similar. I didn't call it a scholarship, but if people filled out the reality board and qualified, right? Well, I, was there a percentage you'd give off? Because what I would do is I would have them qualify for, like, let's say the entourage, right? But um, I actually just would say more they qualified. So I didn't, I never really gave them money off the thing because I was, I, I did more of the, you know, you get to pre-order now, more of kind of the old sales tactics, which you're right, I'm not kind of comfortable with. It's more the, it's just the way everybody does it, the FOMO stuff. Um, but that's all I know. But I like that. Is there a certain percentage you take off? Like you say 30,000, you just mark it up to take that off or how do you, how do you do that? No, I don't. Yeah. That's a great question, Jeff. So yeah, for me, um, and I don't think anyone's wrong for doing it. I just don't feel like it's integrous for me. Like I feel weird doing it. So I don't mark the program up to take yeah, it I down. Yeah, I, I love that about you, man. That's why I was like, Oh, Elijah's speaking in here. Go ahead, but continue. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. So I, I personally don't. It just the, – the price is what it is. It would be like um, – let's put it this way, right? Because you can do this with referrals too, 
And if any, if you, there's like referral um, strategies that are similar to this. It would be like, let's say you're going to go get a new car and the car just is $20,000, right? Like it just is like they didn't mark it up or mark it down. The, the program, the, the car's $20,000. And as you're talking to the sales guy, he says, you know, Hey, look, maybe you mentioned to him that your sister and your aunt were looking for cars as well. And he says, well, Hey, I'll tell you what, I know you wanted this new car over here. If you call up and you get your sister and your aunt down here and they buy you car uh, and they buy a car for me as well, I'll knock, you know, X, Y, Z off of this car that you want. Let's say 10 grand off of it. And so that's more of how I do it in my business where it's like, this is the real price. But if the student, right, or the client wants to do something extra, which is why it's a scholarship, because they have, like, I'm not just saying, oh, you decide today. No, it's a passive decision. They have actual things that they're required to do um, that are strictly going to benefit me and my company financially and them financially. But if they do that, I will give them a discount up front because I know I'm making more money on the back end. And I tell them that up front. It's not like a secret. I tell them, hey, Elijah, that's really cool. Why are you doing that? Because uh, you're a nice guy? No. Not because I'm a nice guy. I do think I'm a nice guy. I'm doing it because I'm going to make way more money off of this, but so will you. And I lay it out for them, and I ask them if they want that. So that's how we do it. Do you, do you give them an option to opt out of the rev share? Because I've done rev share with people. Some people don't want it. So I just I, – I don't do that. I, I will grant them whatever they kind of on that thing. Or do you not – is that an end-all, be-all scholarship is rev share? Um, yeah. For our, the way we're doing it, um, if they opt in for the scholarship, it has to be a rev share. Now, it's not rev share in their entire business. Um, it's or, or for like just this unlimited amount of time, it's for four specific KPIs that we're hitting. Um, and so, you know, the, it's not like forever um, or anything like that. They don't have to give a piece of their business in perpetuity or anything like that. It's just for these four specific KPIs that they would cut us in and do a rev share on. And so on the scholarship side, we're not going to change that because it doesn't – I guess they could give me a flat fee, but it wouldn't make sense for them. Like it's actually better for them to hit those KPIs and pay us with newfound money rather than hitting that KPI and just paying me more money out of their pocket, if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. So yeah, it's kind of like uh, when I go to Apple – or, uh, and I go to buy a phone, I usually declare to buy the phone outright so I don't have the monthly payments, but it is advantageous for me sometimes to do that. So kind of almost the same same illustration side. Yeah, absolutely. I want I know we're getting to the top of the hour, but I want to give you guys one more, right? I want to give you guys one more um, before, before we start closing up. So there's this other way you can do this, and we did – I thought I have like six more to cover, um, but we don't have time. Uh, but I start with the most powerful one, so you're good. There's this other one where we're talking about how to charge what you're worth, how to raise your prices. And so um, let's say again, um, Pastor uh, Jeff was up here, and I think he said he, you know, he did he, you know, two or 5,000. So let's say he, he's charging 5,000. He wants to really charge what he's worth, so he's going to double his prices to 10, but he's, uh, he's worried about the market impact of that and all those things. So what he would do is he's charging 5,000 now. He's going to raise it to 10. And people, will, people who are saying yes to him were already paying the 5000 right? So he's going to raise it to ten. He says, hey, this thing is ten. It's $10,000. Um, but the way we like to do it is you only have to pay five for us to get started. And then we will break the remaining five into payments. It's a really simple thing, and you would think, well, no one's going to do that. I have the data to support that they will, right? You're already they're already saying yes to five, so you just get the five anyway, and you add payments, right? Now here's a quick note about payments. We used to have a um, a year long mentorship coaching program that we did, and one of the things that a lot of people do when they have a year long something, even if it's like a three month or a six month something, but specifically a year long something, is they'll say, okay, hey, it's ten thousand dollars. And they're going to be in it all year, so we're going to offer you a payment plan, and they'll break it over 12, the 12 months, right? So they get money each month. Well, um, $10,000 over 12 months turns into $833, which is not a whole lot of revenue each month, especially if you have bills and overhead, right? 
And so here's what you can do instead to make that more enticing. We used to crush with this offer, um, with this pricing structure right before the pandemic. So um, here's what we do. Let's say it's 10K for the, for the year. What I would actually do is, first of all, as a business, it's better for you to get your money sooner than later. Like, amen. Like, I don't know about y'all, but I got bills and they like the bills every month. And so as much as the revenue in my business I can collect now, that is preferred, right? So instead of breaking out the $10,000 that I'm hoping to earn over the course of this 12 months, it's going to be better for my business to get it sooner. And so what you actually do um, is I say, hey, look, I've got this year-long program. It's 10K. If you join now, right, um, basically, well, here's what I do first. First, I would, instead of making it uh, 12 payments, I'd make it like five or six, right? If we did 10,000 over five, that'd be 2,000, right? So first, instead, of, I'd make it only five months, right? They get to stay for a year but they're only doing five payments of 2K. Now, just right off to the market, they're going to feel like, oh, this is really cool. I'm getting a deal because I get to stay in this for a year, but I only pay for five months. So I'm basically getting, which is funny that people think this because it's not true, but they believe, oh, I'm getting seven months free. Well, it's not true. I'm just collecting the money sooner rather than spreading it over 12 months. Right, So they feel like it's getting a deal right off the bat. But then we take it a step further. So we'd say, hey, um, you know, it's a year long, but you, I, you only have to pay for five months. The other seven months um, you know, are, are on us or, or you know, are free. You pay for five months, you get a year. So you get bonus support. If you do your first payment today of 2K, I will buy your second month for you. You should see people's eyes when we say this. You're like, really? Oh my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. I will buy your second month for you. And I always tell them that way, instead of um, 30 days to turn around and produce this result or ROI, you now have 60 days. And then I make the deal sweeter. I love no-brainer offers, right? You want to get real, you want people to buy your stuff, make the off, make it the easy, make the ask easy and make it an easy yes. So that's pretty cool, but I like to make it even more no-brainer. And then I say, yeah, so now you have 60 days, and if for some crazy reason, like aliens come and abduct us and then drop us back down for 60 days, and so we don't hit our KPI um, in the 60 days, I will go ahead and buy your third month for you as well. And you say, Elijah, why would you do that? Well, um, because I'm trying to get them to say yes, first and foremost. But because I shortened up the payments of how I'm collecting the money, remember I took it from 12-month payments to five, I actually now have seven months to play with in the offer. So when I say, hey, I'm going to buy your second month, all I'm doing is instead of um, collecting their payments uh, month one, month two, month three, month four, month five, I take one of those months, the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, or eleventh, or twelfth month, and I move it to the second month. Why? Because it's easier to say yes. If I can structure my offer that way, and out of 10 more people that I talk to because I structured it that way, six more people say yes to the offer, we have much more revenue. And I'm already collecting more money up front anyway because previously we were charging monthly for this, and we were only charging 830, we were only collecting $833 because we shortened it. Now we're collecting 2000 and so it's still like, because the business was collecting that before, it's like I'm collecting almost three months of payments up front anyway. So I can give them 90 days if necessary because we basically already collected that with that first $2,000 payment, and we're getting more of the people we sell to to say yes. Does everyone see that? Does that make sense? Um, and so that's, that's a really one of my favorite ones if you've got like some type of monthly – um, type service or something like that. And um, Lauren, I actually just thought about you because I'm not sure if you guys do long-term agreements with your agency clients. That may be something you guys want to look at um, where you guys – I would look at it as like a dating period where let's say you know that, 
hey, we're going to do 90 days uh, or basically you take, you know, <laughs> you could do it either way, right? Let's say you have 12 month agreement, but you collect it over 90 days and you tell them, hey, after that, we're so confident what we'll, what we do, we will we'll only get paid if your business is getting paid. And you would move after 90 days to the rev share. And that gives your business, your agency, 90 days to court this client and decide if this is a client you actually want to do that with. And you would still have in the agreement after the 90 days that it's, you're still going to have your floor, your floor pricing so that you don't lose out on the things you need to keep the lights on. So it's going to be, hey, this percentage or this floor amount, whichever one is larger. But now you have it baked into you guys' agreement that after the first two or three months, you guys are just going to go strictly performance-based anyway, rev share-based anyway. And it's, again, really easy to people say yes to because when I'm looking at agency one and agency two, it is human nature for me to say I'm going with the person who has more skin in the game because obviously they're more confident, and that makes me feel like I can trust them more. So those are just some strategies, guys. Um, I know we're coming to the top of the hour. Um, if you like that conversation, um, definitely give me a follow because uh, I, at some point I'm going to have to give you guys the rest of these. Um, I did want to let everyone know that tomorrow – today's Friday. Yes, tomorrow um, I am holding a Zoom like I always do every week. It's free, um, a free Zoom um, for entrepreneurs, and we're talking about the four-minute sales pitch that we use to sell high-ticket things. If you want to be a part of that, DM me the word Zoom on Clubhouse or Instagram. Um, we already have 70 people registered for it, and my Zoom only holds 100. So there's like 30 spots. So if you want to be one of those, message me quickly, and I'll send you a message later today. Uh, but thank you. That is my time. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.